0: It Doherty. is Ben Doherty, who scored plenty of penalties in the past, but not as significant as this, Corainer Dreamland. Hi everyone, and welcome along to the latest edition of the Corian Football, Football Club podcast which just so happens this week to coincide with the the conclusion of the Danske Bank Premiership season. It's been a mad eight months, all told, from the confusion of the opening night and the home defeat against Ballymina, right through to the final day victory at Larne at the weekend, which ensured that the Bandsiders deservedly ended the season as runners up to champions Linfield and congratulations go to them. In between times, there were obviously plenty of highs and lows, including that that 17-game unbeaten run, as well as the the four-game losing streak, which we all can't forget, unfortunately. But the one constant, I suppose, throughout it all has been the the efforts of the the management and the players. and That determined streak that we see every week um, remains a priceless commodity, and especially against the challenges which we know that that the club faces by the, I suppose, the, the nouveau riche clubs of the Irish League who have flexed their financial muscles in the past year and will no doubt do so again in the near future. So, but having said all that, there are some things that money can't buy and that brings me nicely to our regular guest pundits, Aaron O'Neill and Johnny McNabb. And obviously, two of the mainstays of the Korean media team, which I would suggest is, is probably up there with the best in the league, something similar to the, the guys on the pitch. So... Johnny and Aaron, the first question I would probably ask you
1: is what are you going to do with your Saturdays now and also your Tuesdays? Aye, not not very much, Dee, uh, to be honest. Um, well, me and Aaron got a charity walk now in the last weekend of June, so uh, 26 mines we have to pack in, so I'm sure we'll be going to a few danders. Uh, our media night out is on Saturday as well, so there'll be a few beers. Uh, and then if you think about it, it's not too long before everything starts back up again. Um, because Europe, the European draw is, what, the 15th of June. So realistically, you might only have a month or two off and I'm sure there'll be a, a few games, pre-season games as well. So yeah, mm. it'll, it'll not be yeah. Too long. We'll uh, I'm just thinking, Johnny, It will give you more time to plan your wedding. Aye, I, I will. had to fill out the orange uh, application form this morning. So uh, I, I way to hell, I put on my uh, Instagram <laughs> story. So um, definitely something to get.
0: I'm just thinking, Johnny, or sorry, Aaron, we were talking about the wedding there and can you believe that you actually picked Northwest 200 day next year to get married?
2: Couldn't believe it. I, I actually said to him at the time, I said, can you not put it back a week even, <laughs> but um, I'll just have to get him in the speech for that one.
0: What are you <laughs> going to do? You could go to the bikes and fly up to the wedding or something, could you?
2: We'll have to sort it of some night, Damien. Um, mm. Not too sure what yet, but I'm sure we'll come to some sort of arrangement.
0: Well, I think Aaron, I was just, just looking there, I think it's been a crazy season for the media team as well, and you know, Looking at it, it seems that the media side of things has really went to a new level this season as well, with streams and Instagram, this podcast, the highlights, post-match reaction, and I suppose, Aaron, does that reflect perhaps a more professional approach just to to everything around the showgrounds at the club?
2: I think it does, Damien. Um, We all know that Dave Cavan came on board to sort of uh, at this time last year, probably. I think we had meetings from sort of June onwards, and. Um, He played a massive role in sort of taking things to, an already good product, probably to the next level. So with that, we got a bit more manpower and um, a bit of training and stuff like that to go with it. So that sort of helps, you know, get things to the level where they are today. When you look across the league, I would say you're probably right in terms of who, you know, we're right up there with the likes of Glenn Torn and Lauren, who, you know, have a, a. massive budget for their media side of things. So it's nice to keep with the so-called bigger teams off the field as well as on it. And thankfully, we've been able to do that this year.
0: That's that's brilliant. And one man, I suppose, largely responsible for improvement in standards across the board, of course, is first team manager, Oren Kearney. And I'm delighted to say that uh, Oren joins us as our very special guest this week. So, Oren, you're very welcome to the, the Corian FC podcast. Great to have you on the show. And just a few weeks after your your father-in-law, Kenny, but we thought it would be maybe best to wait until the season was over before inviting you along. So uh, I suppose, first of all, have you had time to reflect on the season just gone or is it still too early, Orin?
3: Um, Probably not. Um, and, and that'll only happen over a few weeks, I would say. Um, to be honest, just shattered and, and I might as well be honest and there's no other way of of, of looking at it. Um, we're not training tonight. Lucas said to me tonight, oh, it's Tuesday, he going to hockey here. Normally we're going out to football and I said, you know what, son, for once. <laughs> I'm, quite, <laughs> I'm quite happy to be sitting in the house and he's reg and he would, ra- he would rather be up <laughs> and at it again. So um, to be honest, from that point of view, number one, it's one of probably pure relief and satisfaction that we achieved. Um, Europe again, and that we've got where, where we wanted to get to. From that point of view, um, and yes, probably more now just one of of pure fatigue. Where like even t- today and, and this evening, there I was sitting sort of on the laptop, planning pre-season schedules and uh, all that type of stuff. So it, it doesn't really, you know, for me, take much of a break. Although. I'll have a bit of contact time or less contact time with the players, which will be probably nice for them as well. You know, they've been listening to me for 11 and a half months and I don't care what anybody says, you know, I think that's, that's not a good thing either. So I tend, I don't want to be in contact with them at all, bar a text message here and there about instructions, whatever else, over the next three or four weeks. Um, because I think it's so important that everybody gets a break, both mentally and physically.
0: Mm, I suppose, you know, looking at the season gone and looking at it from a reviewing point of view, And I suppose if you're going to review it, the place to start is that European adventure that you had last year. I mean, obviously, because it had a bit or did seem to have a bit of a bearing on the subsequent league performances to an extent. And, you know, we've talked about it a lot of times, what happened in Europe last year. But I'm just wondering, Oren, where did that rank for you within you and your own career highlights? I mean, you've obviously enjoyed a lot of success as a player and you played in in, in Europe with Linfield. what you achieved last summer, how 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 good was that for you?
3: Um, yeah, it's, it's possibly right up there. You know, I think I, Irish Cup will, will live long in everybody's memories. Um, you know, the year at St Mirren was fantastic and probably against horrible odds there, the ability to stay in the league and the manner of how it was done right down to the penalty shootout at the last game of the season is something again that will stand with me for a long time, in both experience and and pride, probably more than anything else. But um, as you say, last summer's right up there probably with with the Irish Cup and the St. experience from that point of view, um, in relation to, you know, statistically where Maribo were. Aware, um and more importantly, I think probably the way that we went about it on the night, and you know, the two guys um from our media team obviously that were were there and everything else will will know. Um, you know, it's it was a smash-and-grab as such, but it, but it wasn't at times in relation to... You always knew they were, you know, I think their coefficient was 16 or 14 or something like that. So you knew they were going to be a hell of a side. But just the way, it was just a typical, you know, Saturday for me was a typical Korean performance. We needed the wind to get second and we go behind and do it the hard way, but we, st- we would get over the line. And and probably the Maribor one was probably in a different way a typical Korean performance where every single player was on point. Um, in all aspects of it right through extra time and everything else Um, and the five penalties for us three weeks earlier or four weeks earlier having made a hems of them against Balamina of which we practiced the penalties for in the Irish Cup and going into Europe, uh, was mentioned a couple of times we'll we practiced. And I said, there's no chance in hell we'll practice. And what's the point? <laughs> uh, and we didn't. And five guys who trusted their gut and felt that they were ready to go and hit penalties, stepped up and hit five super penalties. And, and the rest is history, as they say. So um, no, it, it, it's right up there. It was an absolutely you know, phenomenal experience, both on, a, on and off the pitch. You know, the guys mentioned Dave there and listened to him coming in. And, and it was probably his first sort of touch of being involved with the team and everything else away from home and all that goes with it. And, um, you know, we talk about raising the standards off the pitch and, and also on the pitch. And yes, you know, the social media, even the guys, the way that they behaved in Maribor was far better than their behaviour from the two or three years before on other European trips where they're diving into lakes and stuff like that as well. So um, all over, it was all over. It was it was pretty good from that point of view, and I think we've raised the bar in, in all aspects. Well, that's one thing you can say,
0: Johnny and Arnd. You've been called professional here. How do you feel about that? I mean. You guys have talked about it before, and I mean, it was special memories for you guys as well, isn't it? Yeah,
1: um, it was a crazy, crazy evening. Aaron, um, I don't know about professionally. There's a video you haven't seen Aaron, uh, so, yeah, this year either. So, um, yeah, that, 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 that might be shown a few things. No, the volleyball was fun experience. Um, I think you know, beating that fire eater in the last range. I think we went there, not that you made up the numbers, but we basically had a free free go at it and. James of Strike was unbelievable um, to keep it low and, and they're back on it. and I think I'm sure everyone else watching the home and ourselves, whenever they equalize straight away, they're thinking, oh, no, but, no, probably extra time. I wouldn't say comfortable, but they were them on the guy that on the penalties. Of it. It, was just, it, was, it was just a real moment, really. Uh, ben going up to hit a penalty worth like 300,000 pounds or whatever well, it would have been, I'd love to have seen uh, Colin McHenry's heart rate. Um, but no, great, great experience and something that I'll live with for the rest of my life. And then,
0: Arn, just cut the European thing short again, I mean, after that, it was Motherwell at the showgrounds and I suppose, but for Trevor Carson, you know, God knows where we could have ended up in Europe last year.
2: I remember at the time, not that, that we were, you know, planning too far ahead, but we did have conversations about where, you know, the possibility might have been. I think Israel was an option, That's true. you know, you were just looking into the pot and seeing who you might have got, which would have been another fantastic experience. But again, as you say, Trevor Carson denied Corian that chance. But, you know, just on the Maribor thing, one thing that will always live with me is the fact that when we were flying back in the the plane, obviously at that time, James Wilkinson was still doing all the the video work and he was sitting there in front of me in the plane. And I can't remember if it was Ben's penalty or James' strike, maybe James' strike, but no matter who it was, went past him on the plane They kept saying, let me see that again. Everybody was just crowded around him, as if you know, watching the game back, and it was just a class experience. I'll never forget, you know, Johnny and I sitting when the penalties were being taken, just like a, a bag of nerves. So I don't know what it was like for the players and the management as well.
0: I would say, as you say, the heart rates would have been pumping, and even ones watching at at home. But you know, after that, of course, the highs of the European thing, or you know, there was huge promise for the season ahead. And then came an opening day defeat at home to Ballymena United, I guess. It wasn't really how you envisaged the start
3: to the new season, was it? Not not how you envisaged, but but I think we're all in football long enough to know that. Um, I think that's the beauty of football more than anything else. Um, Ballymena beat us in the Irish Cup. We're beating the final. Had a bit of a rest then before pre-season and before the league kicked off. We were the opposite. We, we kicked on from there into the whole European tour and, and came back off the back of that in good form. And... Uh, they had a man sent off. We created twenty something chances and couldn't have a barn door on the night. Um and just and it turned out a frustrating start to start to the season.
0: And I mean, Johnny, I remember that night as well. It was it was the most surreal experience, I think. It was the 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 whole hokey cokey of whether fans were allowed into the game or not allowed into the game. The sports minister had decided at the eleventh hour that fans weren't allowed in. I mean and I guess Johnny from a player's point of view and a manager's point of view, that didn't help preparations, did it?
1: No, you were going to the match. I remember I was driving a new match and some place to see and don't even any fans in. And it walked and then they arrived and then they were in and you know, they were not in you know, a party they weren't meant to be in, the party documents weren't signed and then they got there and then before you knew it was kicked off and the Zorn said that we couldn't have our door that night. I remember was it was that Josh Carson had a shot here off the line. I think it hit the post and bounced back out of the region, and Malamino uh, went down to 10 men just sat deeper and deeper and we just couldn't break them down the game this football. And iron and
0: frustrating I suppose and all as it was, but you know, when we look back at the season, Korean recovered well and had a, a decent sort of spell of games and then came the Glenavon game away at, at Moorham Park. I mean, I remember that game quite clearly. I thought Korean started that game brilliantly, took an early lead. Look for all the world that was going to be a comfortable enough victory and then big, big g got sent off and, and the game ended for all iron i mean that was quite a a, a turning point in the season to, to a point wasn't
2: it yeah it was a crazy game that and i it was probably the only game i remember as ever scoring um four goals away from home and not winning but um as you say you know it, it was a very it was a crazy day. The sending off obviously changed things a lot, but Glenavon, we never, never seem to get it easy whenever you go down there to play them. So, you know, the as we've talked about week in, week out in this show, it's to be where we were at before Christmas and see how the players and coaches and management uh, staff turned it around to the point where we are now is absolutely mad. And um, pers- on a personal level, after the... the the Dun-Gallan defeat, which I'm sure we'll talk about in the minutes ahead, I sort of thought to myself, was probably as low a point as I remember from watching on from the sidelines in, in recent years. And I'm just glad that we were able to get it back to the high levels that we've expected in recent years.
0: Yeah, I mean, Oren, you probably remember that Glenavon 4-all draw as well. I think it, uh, it sort of precipitated a four-game losing streak after that. Um I mean, that was, that was a tough period in the season, wasn't it? I mean, there was some maybe questioning the players' management perhaps during that period. And I mean, are you aware of criticism as when it comes during a season or after games? And if so, does, does it affect you?
3: Um, of, of course you're, you're, you're aware of it. And, and that's football. You know, it's a, it's a bubble in this country like it is, I suppose, in any other country. And, um, you know, it, it can be news today, it can be trash tomorrow and whatever else and, and things move on. and. I remember the game really well, and we were really good. It's <laughs> a crazy part about it. We were really good, and even with ten men, we looked really dangerous and really good. And I think we we got it to the point where we were was it we were four-two up with 20 minutes mm-hmm. to go, um, and then I think it was Doogie give away a really silly penalty uh, or a free kick or a penalty was it was a penalty penalty I think it was. Um, yeah, and then. But at that stage of the game, we'd managed the game so well to that point we got 4-2 up. That fourth goal really looked as if it took the stuffing out of them. And there was like a lull for 10 minutes and it looked as if the game was going to peter out. And then they get the penalty, score the penalty. The whole crowd and everything lifts and their players lift again and they have that barnstorm and finish where they get an equaliser and probably were denied a penalty or could or could have won it in the end. And it just turned out to be a crazy day. And Not just for that alone, 80 minutes with 10 men physically is tough going. But that was also the first week in the season where we started into a three-game week. Um, So if it had happened any other week, say the Balamina game, the first game of the season, the the 10 players have a week's recovery before they step into the following Saturday. And we went from that game to, was it Crusaders on the Tuesday night where we lost 1-0 and we were good for 60 minutes and then ran out of a bit of steam. Mm -hmm. Probably to do with the point that we had... Um, We'd played for so long with 80, uh, 10 men uh, for 80 minutes on the Saturday, and then I think the following Saturday was Linfield, and it was, if I'm being honest, it was as a a pure performance as as we've ever put in against Linfield, probably in the last five or six years. And again, not through lack of want or anything else, honestly, probably just through pure fatigue more than anything else. And Linfield also, their game was called off with Glentoran on the Tuesday night due to international call-ups or something. So. Linfield were coming to us fresh, haven't hadn't had at a game in seven days. We were playing our third game in seven days, but one of those games we played with ten men. So, and it looked at, like we were off, we were we were yards off it from the start, and it was the easiest two 0 I think it was that Linfield would ever pick up at, at the showgrounds, to be honest. And, <clears throat> and I, I
0: suppose that all contributed to that four game losing run. And is it fair to say then that after that period of time, then that you got a handle on that Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday? Uh, schedule better than you had previously not
3: not, not really and again you, you, it was probably more into um the, the more you do something and it's like training the, the more you do something the, the easier it becomes um in relation to uh for all of us who train if if you haven't done a run in six weeks and you go out and do a run you'll be sore for two or three days and um, if you run if you then do that run again the following week the following week after and build it up to two or three times a week all of a sudden you can do all those runs and not be sore at all. And when we were probably in the same stretch, we'd spent a huge amount of the whole summer, like everybody, training and getting ready for Europe and, and getting good breaks between games. That was the first time all of a sudden where we had a three-game um, week. And and it definitely told on us in that week. And I think, my, by my recollection as well, from the Fixers' point of view, um, the Fixers were really kind up until Christmas. And that was one of the things I would have queried about the league. There weren't enough three-game weeks pre-Christmas. And then after Christmas... We were just got it with them in relation to it was just four, five, six on the pound. Um, and I suppose with that muscle memory, or the players were then able to cope a little bit better um, because of that. And I suppose, Johnny, remember that Remember that time, but we
0: also remember, I suppose, what is widely regarded as the kind of the turning point of the season. And that was the, the, the home game in December against Warren Point Town. And Corian had gone 1-0 up, looked set for the three points, conceded a late equaliser to one point. It looked for all the world. It would tossed away two points. And then, up steps, uh, Shirley Nixon with a 92nd-minute winner. And I think even post-game at the time, I think we were all agreed that, that could act as a turning point in the season. And I suppose in many ways, it did, Johnny.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of weird games. As you said, we were 1-0 I think they went down to 10 men. I think they equalised. Then they had a sub sent off. Uh, first That's night, right. off for coming on the pitch. And then uh a James plays a great ball through the sturdy and he finished it well. And yeah, I think, I think a game like that there means more winning a game like that means more than one and maybe three or four nil. Oh, I think just how, how we won it. Um we looked at you know, we had, we had lost four games in a row, looked like, you know, drawing a game at home and turned turning the game around one and I think we went on a massive long and beaten on after that there of seventeen games or something. So yeah, that was a massive turning point. Yeah, um
0: Arn as a supporter, first and foremost, I mean Four games losing is not great, but to win a game like that did, did suddenly did you have renewed hope, and it almost seemed that the fans and the players took renewed hope out of that one point Town win
2: yeah, that's absolutely it, because you know it, it was a habit that nobody was really used to was was losing, and it sort of it's one of those things you want to kick kick in the touch as soon as possible, so it was nice to you know no matter what way the ball went in or what what way the goal went over the line, it didn't really matter because at the end of the day, that was a catalyst that sort of turned things around because I'm sure it wasn't an easy place to be for the likes of Warren and the players too when, you know, you don't become a bad team overnight and the European heroics of the summer gave everybody a real lift and then they sort of fall into that slump was difficult to take. But thankfully, it was all turned around and sure, we're all singing now. Uh,
0: That's a good point. Uh, or in the iron megs it 's probably not a good place to be as a, as players and as a manager when you 're in a losing uh, spell like that, but I think we spoke to you before, and you don 't really change the way you do things you, you you continue to do the same things as management group and as players, and you have to just have the belief that you can work your way through that. Would that be fair to say um,
3: absolutely and, and probably the, the first point in that is probably in I know you guys as, um, get fed up with it from a broken record point of view, but I suppose it's why we're so cautious and why I'm so cautious and every manager is because football's a brilliant business and it can be a great business being in and it's given us some of the best highs that we've ever enjoyed. But by God, it can kick you in the teeth as well and it can be really sore on you as well. And um, you know, nobody's uh, No matter how good you are, no matter what level or league that you play at, that can happen to any team at any time, um, as we've seen in leagues across the planet even and um, the creme de la creme, the best of the best, they all still hit periods like that and they all still they'll hit hard moments. And as you say, it's, it's I think it's easy to recognize when you're in that moment, the hard bit is and it's finding that little catalyst, that little something that that, that that moves us out of that. And, and yes, like I would solely agree, like the, the timing of probably if we win the Warren Point game 1-0, we might not go on the run that we go on. The fact that we go behind again and we get that euphoria of, it felt like six points on the day, a 92nd minute winner. Um, and it was a huge lift to a bunch of human beings, let's be honest, more than anything else. And, and that's all it showed that everybody was. For all the heroics and everything else that goes with it, um, it was still, because of injury suspension, particularly suspension maybe in, in the Glenavon game that hurt us badly, and um, we got stuck in a bit of a rut that we had to try and get out of but listen from a management point of view you're right and you and guys are about it all the time and, and the one thing we very much try to do is keep um, you know, when winning, during the how many games it was, 17, 18, 19 games unbeaten, it's very much business as usual and there's no big singing or dancing or yo-hoing or anything else. And and again, during that four-game slump or whatever else, it, it was the same. You know, you're not bawling people out or falling out with people or creating havoc that you don't need. You know, all the players care, all the players, you know, and you get some lovely messages from some of the players at different stages about, what it means to the club, particularly when we've qualified for Europe then and and how the club are so good to them and it's brilliant to put something back into the club and everything else that goes with it. So we have a great change and we have a great bunch and at that time they're hurting, they're not going out to try and lose the games, they're not going out not to compete and, and not to do well um, and for them it's more just trying to guide them through that and, until we can kick out the other side of it. Mm.
0: I, I think we've all interviewed you enough times after games and whatever that I think the thing is, you never get too low when you lose, and you never get too high when you win, and that's kind of what you're you're saying there. But um, I mean, after that four games, you went on a seventeen game unbeaten run. Now I know sometimes you would rather lose a game and win a game as as, as draw games because you get more points. But I was going to ask, I mean, what does it take uh, among a bunch of, of of players, human beings, as you describe them there? What does it take to go on a 17-game unbeaten run in a, such a competitive league like the Donska Bank Premiership? I think I can't remember which manager was paid tribute to you guys. I think it was Paddy McLaughlin at Cliftonville, and he said to go 17 games unbeaten in a competitive a league, a Irish league, is some going. So, how do you do that? I mean, is it just down to
3: the players' mentality
0: and the management's mentality?
3: Um, I hope so and, and, and I suppose the only thing I'll say in, in, in the club's favour and the players' favour and the staff's favour is we've done it before and, and in the last two or three seasons, you know, last season did we not have a really good run at a stage? The season where we came second and won the Irish Cup, I'm sure at that stage we uh, it was a stage we'd gone unbeaten at home for a long time. We, we have put runs together and put, I suppose, levels of consistency together. What does it take? It takes all sorts and it takes people like... Josh Carson playing left back for three or four games to dig out a hole. It takes versatility, it takes people putting their body on the line and playing through injuries where that people don't see and you know fans are going home maybe at times you know such and such didn't look as if they were right on it today but they don't realize he's played through maybe an injury that ideally shouldn't have been on the pitch with if you know what I mean so it takes a huge amount of graft and a huge amount of sacrifice and a huge amount of give um, from everybody about the place Um, and little bits of luck as well you have to be honest But you yeah probably if you look back through that run there was moments where it could have went there's moments where it um, I think the Cliftonville game we draw we draw two all and they score late a late equalize we draw to all and they oh, probably man. had another chance after that so you know it can end in the flick of a of a switch as well so um but it's like i always um equate it to like building a, a house of cards where when you were a kid and you get the deck of cards out and you'd build them up in triangles to try and build a like house of cards and when you got it to a point where you had it where, it, where perfection it was like you would just protect it. Nobody could breathe on it. You would put your arms out around it and try and just protect it and just let everything keep moving the way that it is. And, and a lot of the times when we get into that sort of peak flow of being in that room, I'm not saying I'm superstitious, but I'd be very much along the lines of there's a certain way I want the Tuesday to be. There's a certain way I want the Thursday to be. There's a certain way I want the dressing room to be on a Saturday. And it's nearly probably like that house of converge where you're just hoping that, the, that that peak flow remains and they just stay in that moment or that place more than anything else. I mean, I mean, Aaron. We all work in the media, but
0: like we're all supporters as well. And I mean, it makes makes the job, makes life a hell of a lot easier, doesn't it? When you're you're going following a team every week that isn't losing, I mean, that, that really does make life a lot easier, doesn't it, Aaron?
2: Definitely. It's always nice to hear the victory tunes played out the dressing room, especially at home games <laughs> on a on a Saturday. You know, it gives you a bit of a. At the end of the day, it's a Saturday evening, after all. Everybody's a bit. Um, buoyant on it, so it's always nice to hear the tunes in the background and stuff, and obviously when you do, you're beaten, it's a, it's a wee bit more sombre, but um, it's nice to get to this point in the season and know that everything's uh, sewn up, second and secured, and the players of Europe to look forward to in the weeks ahead.
0: And uh, Johnny Aaron mentioned about the, the party tunes, and the victory tunes coming out, and you're you're the, the guy that has to interview Orn every Saturday after the matches for the T V guys. Um certainly makes your job a lot easier to interview the manager
1: if if they've won or they haven't been beaten. Yeah, uh, we we've known Orin long enough to so really say you can nearly guess what he's going to say. Um, but, uh, no, listen, it's it's far easier after a win. Um and yeah, there hasn't been too many defeats I've interviewed Orren to be honest. I remember we actually Orn hadn't been beaten or something was Corey Manager or something like that. 40 odd games, and Warren Point beat us last season 2 1. I just felt alien interviewing a manager who's just been <laughs> beat because they hadn't been beaten in that long. It was, it was, it was something like 48 games or something, I'm not um, But no, it's, it, it is when we run it's far easier. And when you do the website stuff someday, it's far easier after a win, that's for sure.
0: And just you know, we're, we're going through the season here, we're rattling through it, and that 17 game, and then we're getting to the sort of the climax of the season. I guess Johnny, so near and yet so far. I mean, three draws against Clentoran and in, in those couple of weeks towards the end of the season. I think would that be what you think may may have contributed to not taking the,
1: the season down to the final day? Probably, but again, um, we lost we lost four games in a row as well. There's so many different things. For example, we lost four games in a row at the MVP. Warren Point last kick of the game. We beat Crusaders more or less last kick of the game. Um, We've probably got a fortunate penalty to be 4 down. I think, at home. You know, all springs and roundabouts. Um, yeah, and Glintthorne are a full-time team. Um, If we had half their budget, it would be scary. So, as well, I think we're punching well above our where we're at. I've said that all along. Um, And, yeah, look, You Lampins know, didn't bring on Jordan Stewart when having the zero against us last Friday night. Or last Friday, Tuesday night. And they would, get they would get a game for another team in the league. So. It, listen we're about the league. It, it's fantastic, and it's a big part
0: of the there. It is, and Orn, Do you look back at those three, three, uh, three draws against Glen with a little bit of what might have been?
3: Um, you, you do and you don't because, and Johnny's nailed it well there. You know, you even look back further into the league and points dropped in different games. And like that, Avon game, the four-all draw. And being honest, I think we were good enough that day to take the three points. So you could say there's two points dropped there. You know. Josh's freaky on goal against Luton. There's two points as well, but you know, as Johnny rightfully said, there's other games where we've scored last-minute winners where you maybe, you maybe take. You know, they say it evens itself out over over the season um, or whatever else. Key thing for us is we need to score more goals, and and, and that's. I always say the league table doesn't lie, and you know, our, our, our I was looking at again. I was just firing up all the stats and and. <laughs> Uh, closing off a few bits and pieces that I do every season uh, today on the laptop, and um, I would keep a little record of, just, of basically their league position, uh, wins, draws, losses, goals for, goals against over the last 10 years or so that I've been at the club, and, and it's nice to see as it moves on, but you know, the startling one this year is we haven't scored enough goals, simple as that, and, and, and I've said it to the players, so there's no issue saying it here, but, and, but again, what I've also said is that's not a taint on our strikers. It's a taint on, on squad number one, the squad number 26. Simple as that because, um, you know, you've got goal-scoring fullbacks and in, in teams. You have, you know, Colin Nixon, who used to play for the Glens, used to weigh in with 10 goals every season from corners. You have centre-halfs like Callagher and whatever else at Linfield that weigh in. There was a couple of seasons ago, the three of them had scored 30-something, 35 goals between them. So um, it's not a case of saying that, we, that, that it's just the strikers' fault or just a certain three or four players' fault. I think as a collective group, we're, we're 10 or 15 goals behind where we're, we're I want to be. With mm. that in mind, how we finish second uh, is even more impressive for me because <laughs> Linfield will beat Carrick seven. They'll, they'll have certain games in the season where they'll pump teams uh, five, six, seven goals. We win every game by a goal, whether it be one nil, two one, or and we always have to work for it, right in the time added on. And um, if I'm being honest, that's the big thing. Defensively, we've been superb, and again, that's not just goalkeeper and defence. That starts from the front two and wide men and everything else, and fitness aspect and, and work rate and, and the hunger and the and all of those things that I want. When we don't have the ball. We get an abundance and I think that's a good indicator of why defensively we've been so good this year and um, it just is as a group you know we have to we have to solve that conundrum and we need another 10 15 you know if we had a, another 10 or 15 goals and our goals before con this year it could be a totally different podcast mate I know uh,
0: Aaron it's uh what Oren's saying is that we've talked about it on this podcast on a number of occasions this this year and I mean you can't argue with Oren there I mean the goals for, I think, were maybe seventh or eighth in the league, and defensively, I think Corey may be second best defence. and We've talked about it before, haven't we?
2: Yeah, that's absolutely it. I think Curtis and James both slashed ten, 10 goals each. Now, they're your strikers, and for me, considering the amount of games they played, the fact that you know Curtis proved in, in the latter half of the season, they're just that although he may be getting on in years, he's, he's still got it in terms of a Irish League striker. So, um, it's up to the Oran there to get us going. Add add a few. Get the get calling. They open the checkbook and go and sign whoever you want. But um, it's something to build on. I think each year we're getting closer and closer and closer. And um, my personal belief is, and
3: um,
2: as we've talked about week and on our lovely car journeys they all around the country, um, I believe that we're not far off it. And if we can keep what we have, maybe add a few in the summer. I definitely think we're in with a huge shot next season.
0: Mm, I wouldn't dis- I wouldn't disagree with that. And uh, I mean, again, just I suppose looking and bringing the season to an end. Or do you think looking back, perhaps failure to beat Linfield in the league would that have been a, a crucial part in and how the season panned out? I think it was two draws and, and two defeats against the Blues. But there was never much between the two sides in any of the games. But the fact that you just weren't able to get that three points. Did that have an effect?
3: Not really. Not really. <laughs> There's probably, that's the only way I can answer that. Where in the same stretch, you can say Linfield never beat Clentorin all season long in the lead and, and Linfield won the league. So um, The league is over 38 games and it's not a bit discriminating. You get three points and we've said it all along for who you beat. It's about winning as many games as possible. And um, for the points we didn't lift against Linfield, we lifted against other teams, if you know what I mean. And um, I don't think it, you, you target one team and say that you must. Obviously, you're head to head. And when you play the top six, obviously, those, those stats are important from that point of view. But um, Linfield lost away to Warren Point. Linfield threw away to Carrick. There's four points dropped over there. Lost, so, you know, we, lost away to
0: Ballanmina, I think, as well, maybe
3: uh possibly yeah so and like this year thankfully we i think we took maximum part points from warren point maximum points from carrick as well so you know they dropped four points there that we gained maximum points on which i suppose you could say then is four points gained in linfield it depends how you want to look on it so um probably mentally psychologically it would be it's it it never does any harm to be linfield and it's a nice lift for everybody um when when you do that and from from your point of view you
0: mentioned it there the league
3: table never lies and
0: Linfield
3: deserving league champions at the end of the, the 38 games. Uh, yeah, yeah, you would. Yeah, you have to at the end of the day. The, the stats are there, and, and you can't argue with that. You know that I think they 30 more goals than us. Keon Laverty scored 30 goals himself. Um, never mind every anyone else. So, um, you know whether we did begrudge it or not, Linfield have won the league, and that's that's absolutely black and white. And um, I just felt in the run and even pre the Glentoran games. There was a couple of times we had, a, we had, a, we had possible opportunities to maybe close the gap. I just never felt we sweared at them as much as you would have liked to sweat them. They were never comfortable, but never uncomfortable, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. They were always six to seven points ahead, and we could never just lay that hammer blow that would, that would leave it squeaky and bring it back to four or five points. Um, and that's probably the only disappointing bit in that last seven, eight games where it generally even seemed to be the timing of fixtures. There was a stage we had closed it right back to two points then they played three games in the bounds without That's us right. and And all of a sudden it was back to 11 or 14 points or something. So it's things like that and just the way things permeated out made it a little bit frustrating as well.
0: And even, even with all that, Johnny, I mean, the last, the penultimate game of the season, Korean at home to Linfield that night, I think we may have talked about it last week. But I mean, from my take, Korean couldn't have done much more that night to to try and bring it to
1: the final day. No, we we, we played really well. Obviously, one thing started the game well and got the goal from the corner. Um, and all night, number of pieces. They they looked like scoring. Um, Callagher, Stafford, volley, every one of them. Um, and then obviously they got the equaliser through Curtis, and probably Curtis would feel they probably should have had another one. And just before that with a volley. Um, second half, we had a lot of the ball, but probably just didn't have a, that one guilty chance we thought we were going to score. And there was a chance where George Carson had a short saved, Chris parried it six yards out, and just nobody there. They they, they pat the ball in, and they yeah, Fairylinfield, I thought they defended resolutely. They all they needed was a point, and they got it, and, and, and won the league. Mm.
0: And Aaron, come to you, Linfield. I think it's well known that they're they're losing a number of players. Some, I suppose, some big players from their point of view, but. Um, bit of a rebuilding job for David Healy, but I see they've already started. I think they're bringing in some guy there today. There was some movement on social media.
2: Yeah, I think they've brought in a central defender from Scotland, from Air United, to the Scottish Championship, which you know, their hearts were in the Scottish Championship this year. So it's definitely a competitive league. And I suppose with Linfield moving full-time this year, it's an even more attractive offer for players that are maybe thinking about you know, coming to the club and joining the club and that's the the Linfield way, I suppose. You just look what they did in the transfer window last season, you know, the day after the Irish Cup, they announced a lot of players, including Chris Johns, from from us. So, they'll always um, look after themselves and, as I said on the show last week, I think, you know, losing two or possibly three defenders out of their back four could it's not probably the ideal situation for any manager. But again, they have plenty of, money, plenty of money about them and a draw in terms of the amount of trophies they win to attract any player across the, the league.
0: Um, well, I suppose it, it's that time of the season when clubs look to strengthen or let players go. and I guess you're no different from Corian. Um, European money obviously helps. You made money last year in Europe. You're going to be making money in Europe this year as well. Um, areas you're looking to strengthen? Can we expect some arrivals or, or some departures in in the weeks to come?
3: I think we we, we always want to improve, and and you, you know I think number one it makes the squad nice and fresh as well. A couple of new faces perks things up and and gives everybody a lift as well. So, um, like every summer we'll do that. Um, you know the the European thing has been brilliant. I think it's for the last five seasons we've hit Europe. Um, it hasn't. Made, if I'm being honest, it hasn't made a massive um, impact on, on the budget from that point of view and even I would be as tight on that as Colin or anybody else in relation to we have a level at which we believe that we want the club to function on when we take into account fans and and, and season tickets and shirt sales and everything that goes with it um, and I think you only have to historically look back 20 or 30 years to where Corian have been in the past that you know, I suppose we're guardians of that at this point in time and it's so important um that we don't get carried away, I suppose, with last summer, everything else. And um obviously, you know, I think they're starting to turn sods on the pitch today by all accounts in relation to um moving forward. Um and to me that's a far better investment, no disrespect than throwing it into two or three players on two year contracts or whatever else. And and to me that's that's how we build a long-term club rather than having a short-term fix. So, um, so yes, you know the, it's always been that way. I'm as tight on the budget as anybody will will possibly. You know, there might be a couple drift out for to allow a couple of drift in or whatever else. Um, but thankfully for us, and I think it's a show of, of where we're at as a club at this point in time. We're not at that stage of of 12 out or 14 out to, to get the CMN or whatever else, and we don't want to be at that stage either. You know, we've we've a lot of guys with still two years left in their contract. Um, and, we, and we want to keep it that way, you know, we're, we're happy with what we've got. There's a good identity to the place and, and a good responsibility to the place. Um, and with that, we're just very cautious about, about who and what, and what we are. There's a good, solid
0: <clears throat> solid nucleus there uh, that has been there together over a number of years, has not there? But I mean, even interesting there, the last couple of games of the season, we had uh, we Patrick Kelly, we PK on the bench, 16 years of age. Um, can you see... Or would you like to see more of the under-20s, more of the young players coming through? I know that things were difficult this past season because they had no games. But is that an area where maybe that you can look to to bring in younger players to try and freshen up the squad?
3: Yeah, we've, we've we, you know there's been a huge amount of work that's gone in, particularly in the last couple of years. You know there's been a big reconfiguration of that whole setup. Wally Mullen does a fantastic job with 20s, 18s, 16s. Um, And then even down further beyond that, you know, David Platt has has come in and and has been superb in relation to um, the structures and everything and how things are moving forward. So, um, you know, we're we're really happy with, I think, the structures that we have now. The key thing now is to go and start producing footballers. We have a a couple of nice wee diamonds hopefully coming through and ones that that we would like to see really, really push on and really kick on. Um, The cold, harsh reality is that sadly for those kids we're not the club that, that we were six or seven years ago when Lyndon and Brad and Jamie and Adam we were able to give chances to and, and stick 50 or 60 games into because we didn't have a huge amount to lose. Um, we now need a club to come in as such and play and be ready to, to keep us challenging and hopefully keep us in the area that we're in, which, which to be fair, probably makes it a little bit harder for the young ones coming through. But in the same stretch, you know, when they get to that age of 17, 18, 19 years of age, the question is a very simple one to them. If you're a right-back, are you better than Lyndon Kane? If you're a striker, are you better than Curtis Allen? Or, or if you're a midfielder, are you better than Stevie Lurie? And, and at the end of the day, when we get to that stage of it, um, that's who they're compared against. And, and if they are, they'll come in and take the place of that player. Um, if they're not, that player will be doing everything to, to fight and hold on to that shirt. <laughs>
0: that is the harsh reality of football, isn't it? You've got to be better than the guy that you want to take a shirt from. So, uh, but I think one thing that we know for sure that there's there's one guy definitely hanging up his boots, and that's Stephen Douglas. So, he had a career after about two decades worth, he made his five hundred and ninety fifth appearance at uh, at Larn on Saturday, the club where he started his career, and he, fittingly, he, he came on for the final few minutes at inver Park and, and got the acclaim of the fans that were there and. And afterwards, he gave us his thoughts on his playing career and what the future might have in store for himself.
4: I've enjoyed myself on a good journey. I've had a good career, plenty of trophies, plenty of cup finals and plenty of European trips. And I've enjoyed every minute of it. But that comes to an end it sometimes, doesn't it? Listen, winning the Irish Cup with Colerame was well up there with them all, because it's, it was a thing that we, we worked hard to get. No, I mean, we worked hard to get there and we won it. And other times, it's been easier for other clubs to get, like Sam, but. When you have to work hard to get there like something else, that was that was, was well, well up there with the, all my high points anyway. Whenever Oren Kearney spoke to me, I knew straight away, me and Oren are good friends and he, he showed me the club straight away. I'll be quite honest, I thought myself I'm going to end up at Ballymena. I had spoke to them and they never got back to me, and then when Oran manager said, "Listen, I will go to Corian," I knew what they're all about and I knew what he, what direction he wanted to go. And here, I know how good a manager he's got. Here, he's got me to where I'm at now. That's why I'm still able to do what I'm doing. It's sorry I've been able to play and be involved for all them years, but he looked after me. You know, he knew what he needed to do. He knew what I needed, and he knew where he could get out. Man, that was just the way it was. And that's where I ended up at Corian for so long. Oh, definitely, I oh, From digging, <laughs> d- digging deep, trying to stay for relegation battles and blah, blah blah. to end up in cup finals and. Like We've been up there challenging now, what, four or five years? Uh-huh. And here it's only going to get better. And I'm just glad that he's given me the opportunity to join the coaching staff and, and help them, you know what I mean? Be involved still. And being involved is easy when you're with a club that's going places, you know. It's, it's definitely a lot easier. I've worked with the kids that's here before, like Lyndon Kane. I've spoke to them all and it's see if kids want to listen. I can, only, I can only tell them what I know, you know what I mean? I'm maybe not the best way of giving advice, but I can only give them what I've got and that's, that's just about it's up to them to listen and go from there on there.
0: so Oren, did you did you ever think it, uh, that Doogie would stop playing?
3: <laughs> um, I don't know, Peter Pan we call him. Um, and and to be fair to him, um, I think it was 2013. He came across at 35 and probably raised a few eyebrows at that point in time. Fans generally don't like the ex lindfield Linton player who they don't feel will give anything more to the club and is only there for the last couple of years of a hurrah. But um, I think you know, as I said, I'd met me and Doogie first met or not met but we became travel buddies I suppose when I joined Linfield in 2005 so we had four great years together a lot of good stories and a lot of good fun and everything else and that friendship I suppose remained when he became available then from Linfield you know we jumped at it particularly knowing the clientele of the, the Brads the Lindons and the Adams that we had about the place it was it was a perfect match and and to be fair to him he delivered and that's just in simple terms that's that's the the best and biggest compliment that you can give him he absolutely delivered on the pitch, off the pitch, um, and in all aspects of what you would want to do. And, and I said it on Saturday pre-game to everybody, You know those, and those guys will be the first to tell you, Lyndon and Brad and Jamie and Adam, to name a few. Um, he created careers for those guys, and he absolutely was a huge part in ensuring that they made that transition um, and felt comfortable in that transition.
0: Uh, Aaron, were you one of those supporters that raised your eyebrows when, when uh, Stephen Douglas came age 35 from Linfield?
2: I'm going to be honest here, Damien, and tell you that I don't actually remember what what's going through in my head at that time. But one thing I will say is, you know, did you
0: question the manager?
2: i could questioned him, you know, more more times than that. But um, I definitely would say that to, to get a player of Doogie's caliber through the door was probably a masterstroke by one. Because you know, at the end of the day, he's been there and done it, won a lot of, of trophies, and good crack too, so we always think like people are a good crack around the club. <laughs>
0: uh, I mean, Johnny, I mean, Doogie, I was he 43? Can you, can you even begin to imagine if you were a footballer trying to play at at 43? And not only that, but somebody like Doogie who maybe doesn't play, doesn't train, Orm calls him into the team and he goes on to the pitch and strolls it about like a like a bit of a Rolls Royce. You know, he's a bit of a freak, isn't he? Let's be honest.
1: Yeah, he's a freak. Um, there's games where you'd know, be starting and he just runs a couple of laps of the pitch, comes back and strolls ninety scores ninety minutes. Um, there's a game we beat Nantfield I think a couple of years ago. I think it might have been four two. I think we started that day and it might have been forty one, and I was, I was watching them. it and it was crazy. It was literally crazy. But as Owen said, um, as much as he was just sports on the pitch, I think um the on players as well. Um, I think Linden gave him a nice tribute on social media as well, um, about how much that he helped him with his career. So. Yep, look, 43, mad, absolutely mad. You'd think Oren would have given him a half in his last day, you know, playing. We'll we'll say nothing, we'll say nothing. Do you know what? Do you
0: know what? Watching that on Saturday, he very nearly didn't even get on.
3: (laughs) I know, it was close (laughs) to (laughs) <laughs> the first objective was second place and, and we wanted to nail that sadly and, and ideally if we could have put it to bed a bit quicker we'd have given him 10 or 15 minutes so it's sad, ideally it would have been nice to give him a few extra minutes but um, the club had to come first from that point of view and it was so important statistically and historically I think to make sure that we, we nailed what we could
0: <laughs> Absolutely, and I mean in terms of the background staff, I think it was a on Saturday that he'd be joining the backroom staff and I mean what what kind of role do you envisage for, for Dougie or
3: <laughs> <laughs> Entertainment's <laughs> officer? <laughs> no, um, he, he's very good in, in relation to he, even this year and, and in previous in the last couple of years. Like he runs a very successful business, he's only self employed. He's very, very busy through the week. And I suppose myself and, and and Paul and Trevor, probably in particular, do a huge amount of the field stuff on a Tuesday and a Thursday night. And uh, I'm very hands on in that way. So it's not a case of needing another body from that point of view. And there probably will be nights through the season or weeks through the season where. You might see him the odd Tuesday, the odd Thursday, or maybe not. Um, but he's always been there on a Saturday. He's good about the place on a Saturday. But also, to be fair, you know that Milton Pot 60-65 minute mark, when there's decisions to be made, he's 23 years on the pitch. Mm-hmm. And he's made some brilliant calls this year, to be fair to him. He's made some big calls, gutsy calls at different stages where he'll, he'll, he'll throw something at me that we that I would say, you know what, that's the right decision and we go for it. And and I think it's, it's that experience that I want to tap into um, but also, he's just—it's old school values, you know. He's brilliant around the change room. He's brilliant with people. He's—he's he's an energizer. The glass is always half full instead of half empty. And people like that, you can't have enough of them about your change room and about and about you in general. And, and with that, I just—I just felt, for what he's given us from two thousand and thirteen up to now, he's been a huge part of. For me, his, the historical turnaround of Coleraine in the last seven, eight years, and he played a massive part in that. And I just didn't feel it was fair just to to let him ride right off into the sunset. And uh, I'm delighted that he's that he's staying on board. He's delighted that he's staying on board as well. And and, and we look forward to to him joining the staff group chat now. <laughs> yeah,
0: you, you can't you can't afford to lose guys that got, can you? Let's be honest. I mean, guys that got are worth their salt. And you mentioned there the impact and the influence he had on the players like the Lindens and whatever else. You mentioned Brad there, Brad Lyons, and I think, you know, we all probably took an interest in the, the League Two playoff final yesterday. It's not something that we'd normally take an interest in. But, I mean, Johnny, what an experience for Brad there coming on as a sub, setting up the penalty, which never was probably. But, anyway, uh I mean, what an amazing
1: experience for Brad playing at Wembley and winning. I that, that, that penalty was something to see in everything. Like how that was getting back. <laughs> but no, we we had Brad on the we had Brad on the show there a couple of months ago and we joked about imagine swapping more in point for, for Wembley and he ends up uh, he ends up helping Morgan uh, Morton the, the promotion. I think I read the Morton with the second least budget or something. The lowest, I think they have the lowest. Yeah. So well for them to go up there's some achievement and he can never take that away from Brady. He's played at Eyebroads, played at Parkhead, played at Wembley. Um, not bad for for a fellow from from Ball Money. So to speak. So no
0: fair play for him, and I just hope he gets a, a club over there now. I think he's coming yeah. out of contract. So. Yeah, I mean Aaron, he is out of contract, isn't he? I mean, you fancy maybe he get a club in England, given what he's achieved with Blackburn, more, Kim St Moran.
2: All you have to do is look at the effort he put in yesterday when he came on. You know, he put himself a bite, <laughs> closing down balls and closing down goalkeepers. He just left everything out there. So, personally, I would, you know, if you were Markham, would you take a punt on him? Probably. You know, he's been there through the probably the best part of the club's, you know, career and getting them promoted. And you know what you're going to get from Brad. And, and we all know here what he's capable of. And Orrin managed him in a professional full-time environment as well. And, you know, has worked with him in a school setting and probably knows him better than anyone, so he's like the better place than me to answer that question. But I'm sure Brad will definitely not struggle to find a club.
0: Aye, I mean, Aran mentioned that You probably know Brad as well as anybody. You, you've you've helped nurture him from a teenager right through to where he is now, and as he works at school with you as well. I mean, you must be you must be like a proud parent seeing how well he's done. Yeah, it was brilliant
3: watching it yesterday. I me and Lucas sat and watched it yesterday, and. I'll be, I have no problem saying it, I'll be brutally honest and it, it reminded me there was wee revisions just of probably our cup win, and, and even towards the end when they were backs to the wall it reminded me of the backs to the wall just before Skinner scored and um, it was brilliant he was involved in the goal and to be honest when the final whistle went I was quite emotional We had a lump in my throat to be honest with you I was really I was just so proud of him so pleased for him and just um, so delighted that he grabbed that opportunity and that, and that one chance to go and do that and uh, unbeknown to me, I think the manager there has been uh, Derek Adams has been mentioned with the Bradford job or whatever else over there, and that could be the only thing that maybe um, I think Morgan were going to end the league that Bradford are in. Bradford would possibly be a bigger club with a bigger mm. infrastructure and whatever else, and uh, he was quite non committal on that. You would hope that if Adams stayed at Morgan, there's a good chance that hopefully Brad will um, will get a contract there. Um, if not, listen, it ain't easy, but he's done himself, and I sent him wee message the morning before you know, just to make sure that it is a shop window and to grab any opportunity that comes his way. So, uh, you know, night he's been on the highlight reel all day on Sky Sports, showing that uh, over pass for the penalty. And um, uh, and from that point of view, he's done himself no harm from, from there. And hopefully between England and Scotland, we'll be able to get him something sorted. we
0: well, would be delighted to see him getting hooked up with a club. And I mean, he's good enough, isn't he? I mean, he's good enough. He's proved himself to be good enough. He just just needs somebody to take that punt on him now, doesn't he, Warren?
3: Or- he does. and probably over there in particular as well. He's he's what I call he's the perfect player. He's 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 got a lot of quality, but he's low maintenance, and I think that's really important too. You know, there's no there's no rubbish with him. There's no behind the scenes and and no babysitting or anything else that goes with it. He's matured into a super young man, and and but with that, from a manager's point of view, like he's such a he's a, he's a very safe one. You know, you're not bringing in something that could go awol or could go missing or anything else. There's a real good breeding there. The fact that he's come from. The, the route that he's come will give a big hunger to stay in the full-time game and be there. So I think players like that are worth their weight in gold. And he's a very
0: modest lad too, isn't he, Johnny? As you mentioned, that he was on the podcast a few weeks back or a month back, whatever it was. But he is a very modest young fellow too and, and very down-to-earth. And that should hopefully stand to him as well as he looks for a new club. Yeah, 100%. You just have
1: to look yeah, through social media and, and all, everyone wants to the best. of luck before the game and after the game. And yeah, he was well like uh, around the show line. good, um, really, really, really and As Owen said, yeah, Owen was emotional for him as well. You know, I, I was looking out. Like, when, when will I ever scored more than I like? Um, so I was really, really glad to see him get up. And I think the main thing now for Brad is, is that he gets a club and, and gets some security there. Yeah,
3: and Iron he
0: wasn't the only one and had a good week. Uh, another former young face around the showground, Sam McClellan, quite a big week for him too, wasn't
2: it? Yeah, called up the Northern Ireland squad. Which is um, it's stuff of dreams, isn't it? Really, you know, um, growing up. And I know when Brad was on the show a few weeks back, it was one thing that he was definitely targeting. You know, he, he mentioned what it would mean to him to get a Northern Ireland uh, call up, and I think Sam had a a bit of struggle with injury as well recently too. So it would be a nice way. It's a nice way for him to round off his season by getting into that setup, and you know, to go and rub shoulders with like to you know, some of the top quality players Northern Ireland have is, is quite special and something that young players will treasure forever.
3: It is some
0: achievement, Oren, isn't it? Getting called up to the Northern Ireland senior squad.
3: Yeah, it's super. And, you know, a lot of people say, uh, you know, those end of season ones that, you know, there's call-offs and there's people not there and everything else that goes with it. But as you say, it works two ways for someone like Sam. Um, He's, he's rubbing his hands at that and in, in, in relation to that it frees up uh, that opportunity. And, and more importantly, it gets him in, and it gets him in front of the manager to be able to show him uh, what he can do. It's amazing. And, and the
0: guy Connor Bradley, he actually got on, didn't he? Young guy from, I think he was at Dungannon and Swifts at the time, a teenager from Castle
3: Durham. He right. got on, Who's at, at Liverpool now. Yeah, so again, for those guys, it's really important. And it's, you know, you have Steve Davis at one end of his career and maybe Stuart Nellis close to it as well. But, you know, they all have to start somewhere. So, um, you know, that's the next generation coming through.
0: And a great example to the the young guys that we mentioned at our club there as well, the likes of the BKs and anybody else. that's in the under twenties. It's all they have to do is look at the likes of a Brad or a Sam and, and see what can be achieved through hard work and a,
3: a bit of luck. Absolutely, and that's you know that's the beauty of football. Um, in in relation to that, and, you know, Brad's story is a brilliant one, and 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 I hope it's not the end of it either for him. Mm.
0: Right, well here, I mean, from your point of view, Oren, it's feed up for a couple of weeks now, is it? You're waiting patiently till the European draw. You're, uh, June the 15th, it just, we were talking about the European efforts last year, and now we're talking about the draw for Europe this year. It's, it's, it's a crazy thing, but um, what do you, what's your thoughts? What kind of a draw are you looking for? I think Korean are seeded, are they?
3: I'm not sure. There, there was bits during the rounds there, but I don't think it's just as simple as that. Um, I think there's seven or eight leagues that still have to complete. And if sides come out of those leagues with a higher coefficient than us, um, it's like a, a trapdoor and you would drop out the bottom of that trapdoor into the into this into the, into the unseated area. So um seated and unseated, as we found last year, you know, it can work for you or against you. Like La Farida, as such were supposedly seated. Uh we were unseated, but you know, we we obviously went through in, in that game. Um you look at some of the seated teams mentioned at the minute, there's some that we would be quite familiar with at this point in time. Um but also, the problem is you could get something coming up through that's unseated that maybe is a, an up and coming club in a, in a strong league that hasn't had any European experience yet. So, that's what all the seating system does is, is tell you their history, historically, how they've done in Europe. It doesn't mean how good a side they presently are. And, and you could have something like a say, like a, a, the equivalent of a Leicester City or a Leeds coming through, say, in, uh, in, in Norway or Sweden or anywhere like that, and all of a sudden. Um, you draw a team like that who are supposedly unseated. So um, it's just not as as simple probably as the seated, unseated aspect of it. But hopefully, um, you know, the draw, particularly in the first round last year, give us a fighting chance. And that's all we want. We want something like that where you're going into it with, uh, you know, what if we perform here? We we've, we've have a chance. The, the two-legged thing is back this year, which will possibly make it a little bit harder um, as well. You know, if I'm being honest, the Maribor game, if it's, if it's this year and it goes over two legs, we're nil-nil out there for the first leg. We're all, we're all talking about how we're going to do and what we're going to do at home. And then they probably come over in here and hit you for three or four or five. So I've seen it a hundred times in Europe. So um, you know that will make it slightly harder as well. But again, that's we fought all season for it. So we, we can't wait and we look forward to the challenge.
0: Mm, any preference, Johnny? Uh, from You've probably been looking through the clubs and the teams as well, I guess. Uh, any any preferences? I have looked through them. Well, will if we're,
1: we're seated. Uh, there's a few good names there. Hey, It'll be good, a good score in Scrabble. Um, you can't pronounce them, so we'll, 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 we'll probably get one of them. Um, hopefully Simon McGee opens up the chequebook, and a few media boys can go this year. Um, listen, somewhere nice and warm, uh, so I can burn a bald head, and um, hopefully get through. And, and, you
3: and you guys need water as well, don't you? You would need a good lake or canal. <laughs> uh,
1: well, hi, arms are. Arns are European
3: diving champions, so I hope they're a good river as well. Young Tom Bailey.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Arden, can you defend yourself here,
0: or in a, in any way, or are you just looking forward to somewhere with a river as well?
2: It looks as if my my feet's already um, set out for me with these two guys, but um, look, it's an honour to go on any trip, European trip. Um, I don't. There's been nothing finalised yet, but. You know they're enjoyable experiences, and as growing up as, you know, a supporter of the club first and foremost, it's always nice to get away and watch Korean in Europe. You know, if Johnny and I have travelled away, I remember going to Stranraer at the age of probably fifteen, and probably should have been nowhere near it, but that was the start <laughs> of it. We managed to book a, our, own, <laughs> our own boat and our own our own um, digs in Stranraer, and that was that was the start of it. So I'm sure that was good. That <laughs> well, was, was decent right, but <laughs> going in a more official capacity now, I suppose, it's de- uh, definitely an honour and it's always something to look forward to.
0: It is, it is indeed, we're, we're, we're laughing, but it is, uh, as Oren said, that's that's why you do all the hard work during the year for the players and even the social media team as well. And hand-in-hand hand with that, we the 4G pitch going down, Oren, you mentioned it earlier on, great to see. The only problem is, Oren, Need to find a job for, for Tommy Dog and
3: his assistant, We look at <laughs> No, man, can't it do that kind of a job. It still, it still needs maintained. so uh, you know there'll be as much looking after and as much work that, that will, will be needed um, with the 3G. And I think they say they're an eight eight to ten year lifespan, possibly more. But a lot of that is dictated by how well you look after the carpet and how well it's maintained. So um, there's a huge amount of responsibility there. As long as it doesn't take the lawnmower out onto it. Um, <laughs> I think
0: Luke will keep him keep him in check. I anyway, mean, he's I think Luke is the real boss here, isn't he?
3: Uh, he would he would like to think so. He would like to think so.
0: I would say he is. But um, well, here, guys, we're near the end. I mean, thanks Warren for your for your time, guys. We're just looking what I'll, I'll come to each of these. I mean, looking past the season, what would be your um, highlight, Johnny? Your your personal highlight or your best moment from from the season just past?
1: Um, obviously like Europe's a big one, obviously, because we're going away to places that, like the chance of me going to Maribor again game is like, very, very slim. So places like that there, um, and the Mullerwell game as well, all British tie. I think, you know, even looking back, there's certain things like Lyndon Keane scoring away at Balmina. Um he would, have, he would have loved that. and it's just a pity we didn't have any fans there. Um that there's up there. Um I always like beating Crusaders for some reason, so beating them's always always a nice feeling. Um, but probably highlight highlights definitely finishing second and qualifying for Europe again. I think that's an unbelievable achievement. Um, I don't think we're too far away from, from challenging again. And as Arn said, probably the goals for column. If, they'd, if they had another striking 20 goals, they probably would have run closer. So yep, there's a lot to look forward to. You mentioned the closing the pitch there as well, so the we the definitely right. Uh
0: Arne, any particular things to out for you, highlights wise?
1: I
2: think Johnny pretty much covered everything there, Damien, but one one that I would add to it was the feed at Lauren around Christmas time, Inver Park, and for me, it was probably um, what I would have regarded as, or one, well, it would be right up there in terms of quality performances. You know, I thought we were super that night, but again, Maribor for me was um, definitely my highlight of the last few months. Obviously, the pandemic sort
1: of
2: put a different look on the whole, you know, no supporters, everything else, but we're starting to hopefully come through the far side of it. I got my first vaccine today, so, um, you know, if I'm getting vaccinated, we, we must be coming through the far side
0: of it. What do you get vaccinated for? <laughs> I can't kill <tell> you. <laughs> <laughs> and or finally, we'll leave the last word to you, the boss. Um, we've, we've probably covered everything in Europe, but the highlights, blah, blah, blah. Is there any other one thing that maybe we haven't mentioned that, that sticks in your mind as a, as a little thing of the season?
3: Um, no, and it's probably, um, you, you know, you, you touched on it earlier on about about the social media aspect and about raising the standards off the pitch and everything else. And, um, you know, all joking aside, that side of it, particularly when you look at, say, Maribor, like, like for example, I played in Linfield in 2005 and my first game for Linfield was away in Elfsberg in Sweden. We drew one all and I scored and have a tiny little clip of some I don't know where it came through to, to U T V Live and I don't even know what format it's on anymore. And I had a great time there, but it's only my memories and, and all I have is like a three second clip of, of the goal. Um and then I look at what we've achieved there in Maribor and um bar not having fans there, the fact the fact just the way things fell into place, the fact that David just sort of come on board and it was his first example of it that that we would all the video footage, that we, you know, we with so much footage and so much memories that everybody could, sh- not only could share in from a fan's point of view, but also for the guys who've been there who, who yes, we're a year on now, but let's be honest, in 10, 15 years on time, they'll still be talking about that night in Maribor. And and more than that, to have all the evidence uh, with such quality and and. Um and such thought put into it is, is probably the thing that's 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 even more pleasing. So um as much as it pains me to say it, the two guys, you know, along with all the with all along with all the rest have really raised the bar that this season from that point of view and it's and it's it's a big testament to them.
0: It is indeed, yeah. I mean I would have to second that. I mean, particularly for those I mean, obviously with the COVID, no fans were able to go to Maribor, but that was the next best thing, wasn't it, was seeing all the the Instagrams, the photos, the videos, et cetera. So, you know, big well done. And I think it just reflects on how far the club has come on and off the field, on the field with the players yourself finishing, I think, runners up three out of the last four years. Social media wise, I said at the start, Korean are probably up there with among the best in the Irish League. And that's a it's a concerted effort from from all, from the directors. Chairman, all the way down to the volunteers and the stewards. So, well done to everybody. And I think you know, as a good place as any to wrap it up. And I suppose with the the end of the on the field action um, last weekend, I think podcast probably take a break now for the next couple of weeks. Um, We'll probably aim to be back in the summer following the draw for the European uh, qualifications, which we've talked about. Uh, We'll reflect down on the draw and we'll look forward to another European tour. So. Until then, thank you to my guests, Johnny McNabb and Aaron Neal, as always. And, of course, Oren Kearney. Thanks for your time, Oren, because I know you're, you're a very busy man and tired and coming near the end of school and you're all frazzled. So, well, we appreciate, we appreciate your time. And uh, big yeah. thanks as well to Corey and McShane for, for producing. So, thank you also to all the guests who have come on the podcast this year. We mentioned a few earlier, Kenny Shields, Brad Lyons, many others, John Platt. Uh, and thank you all to... Um, <laughs> and thank you to everybody who has listened and, uh, and even those who didn't uh, so until the next time thank you very much, enjoy the good weather and as ever, come on the Bandsiders